Okay, uh, I'll tell you the Dal Kislev. So the topic is obviously the Rebbe's anniversary. The Rebbe and the Rebbe's in Chaim Mushkin. Wedding anniversary. I'm hoping next week I'll be able to do Yutas Kislev. It'll be after Yutas Kislev, but that's the way it goes. Um, today we'll do Yudal Tesvav Kislev, and Belineda next week we'll do Yutas Kislev. Post facto, in anticipation of the Hanukkah vacation. How do I tell the story of the Rebbe and the Rebbe's wedding? Right? Once upon a time, there was a Rebbe and there was a Rebbe, and then they got married. That's the story. <laughs> I suppose the beginning of the story goes back a few generations. Tzemach Tzedek was, was a great Rebbe. The third Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose name the Rebbe had, the Rebbe's father, Ablevik, always used to write to the Rebbe and the Rebbe, that the two of you have the same name as the two of them. He writes to his father, Rebbe Levik writes to his son, the Rebbe Zogazun son, our Rebbe, You and your friend, as he refers to her, carry the same name as the Tzemach Tzedek and his Chavra, and his friend. They're the same name is Menachem Mendel and Chayim Mushka. So I said it was an incredibly great Rebbe. Unfortunately, there's an event that happened when he passed away that's a... Uh, it's very unfortunate. In, from a historical point of view, when you look at it objectively now, you say, what a waste. It was a terrible, terrible waste. What happened was that Lubavitch was split. You know, like in every Hasidic movement today, you know, a, a Rebbe passes away, and then depending on how many children he has, that's how many new Rebbes there are, that's what happened. Samatadik was nostalgic, and there were four Mamala Makaymi, four, four successors. There were the fifth, but first of all, he became a Rebbe when Tzemach Tzedek was still alive. And second of all, he didn't become a Chabad Rebbe, he became a Polish Rebbe. He took on a whole different style. But the Tzemach Tzedek's Tzedek ushered in a division of Lubavitch, of Chabad, which would last more or less 50 years, maybe a little less. 50 years from the 1860s until the First World War, uh, approximately, there were four branches of Chabad. The largest branch was Kapust. Kapust, not, not Lubavitch. The smallest branch was Lubavitch. The second largest branch was Liadi. The third largest branch was Nezhin. And the last was Lubavitch. In Nezhin, there was only one generation. The Nezhin that ever passed away, his name was Abisol Nech of Nezhin. When he passed away, there was no successor. His son did not become a Rebbe after him. In fact, his son was the father of the Rebbe's Nechamadina. The Fidik Rebbe Shver was the son of the Nezhin. But the other three were two generations. The son and the grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. And um, the Tzadis that the Jewish people encountered in Russia during this period were, were very bad. The only thing that you could say good about the Tzadis that happened in the 1860s and the 1870s and the 1880s and the 1890s that compared to the Tzadis that would come the next generation they paled and compared. They were not a big deal. It's a lot of tzaras. And the split of Lubavitch didn't help. In other words, had Lubavitch remained unified, I mean, how could that have happened? If that would have happened, there would have been a different Ebishter and a different universe, and there's only one Ebishter, there's only one world, there's only one Tate, and there's only one Ratzin. What is is what's supposed to be, whether we approve of it or not. But the fact was, Lubavitch was divided. And the, the, the result of the division was that each one of the four groups was weaker. You know, anytime you have an army, and you divide your forces into four, each quarter is weaker than they would be if they were joined with the other three. This is, this is the risks you take when you divide your army, divide your forces. And that's what happened. 
The truth of the matter is, Lababa should have divided it into five. Oib yo! It should have divided it into five. Why five? Because there were five sons. So Machtarik had seven. One, I already told you, became a Polish Rebbe. This is our Friedrich Rebbe's fa- mother's father. His name was Rabbi Yisaf Yitzchok. The Friedrich Rebbe is named after him. One passed away before the Tzemach Tzedek. His name was Rabbi Yankiv. He was a Rav in Aral. We don't know much about him. He was a, a Chosh of Arid, but he wasn't in the Madrig of the other brothers. Okay, four became Rebbes, and one didn't. Which one didn't become Rebbe? The one who was entitled to the position, the oldest. So the Bachshalm was Abchor, he was the firstborn. And Abi Alacha, Abchor is entitled to be Memalim Akeim Avesav if he's Roy. They didn't. If a king passes away, or a king Godel passes away, or anybody passes away, if his oldest son is Roy, he's Memalim Akeim. Ravash was entitled, the Baruch Sholem, that's our grandfather, his grandfather was entitled to be Memalim Akeim Aviv from a halachic perspective, and on and on and on. He was an Adam Godel, he was Adam Kaddish. It's very interesting. So Machtedek had a lot of trouble in his own house. Why? He became a Rebbe. One of his children was still a chassid of the Alter Rebbe. Another one of his children remained a chassid of the Middle Rebbe. That's how it was. The Ravash knew the Alter Rebbe. He was seven when Alter Rebbe passed away. And the Fidik Rebbe says his entire life he was sad. His entire life he was sad. Because he never got over the loss of his great-grandfather. The Alter Rebbe was very, very close to his great-grandson, the Vash. He taught him things that he didn't teach anybody else. And he had a very special relationship with him. The Ravash was there, but al Rebbe's Petira. Ravash was one of the few people involved in al Rebbe's... Remember, al Rebbe was buried in a Jewish cemetery in Hadich. The Mishpacha was in Piena. The al Rebbe's Levaya probably didn't even have a minion. It was, it was done away. They took the al Rebbe's Guf Kaddish. Three people went. It's Samach Tzedek, and Reb Nochem, and the Ravash. Reb Nochem was brother-in-law. And the Rebbe Rosham, the middle Rebbe wasn't around. Middle Rebbe had gone away, as I told you the story the other day. So Ravash was the oldest. And he was very connected still to the Alter Rebbe. He was entitled to be Bamalam Akaimovav, and he wasn't. I'll get back to him in a moment. And the Ma'aril, he was the second. He was a chassid of the middle Rebbe. For 15 years after the middle Rebbe passed away, he remained a chassid of the middle Rebbe until something happened and he saw his father's Mesidas Nefesh. So he became a chassid of his own father. I told you the story. I think I told you the story. So Machzadeh came back from Petterburg. He said, you have to make a special dinner. I brought a new chassid from Petterburg. Who was the chassid? His own son, after 15 years. Now the Ravash should have been a Rebbe. Why wasn't he? Because the Tzamech asked him not to. Tzamech made his mamala Mokim his youngest son. Tzamech made his successor, the Rebbe Marash. He wrote a Tzavor. And this made people crazy because the Rebbe Marash was so much younger than his brothers. The Rebbe Marash has nephews and nieces older than him. Many. He was a young man. He was 32 years old. His brothers were in their 50s and 60s. And the Tzamech Tzedek wrote in his Tzavah that the Merash was Malam And there was all kinds of stuff. There was what they call politics. I've never heard of politics. I mean, we don't know what that means, but in the olden days, they used to have politics. And the Merash became a Rebbe in Lubavitch and he had the smallest item, the smallest crowd, unfortunately. The Ravash was entitled to be a Rebbe. The Tzamech Tzedek said to him, don't be a Rebbe. Please, I'm asking, don't be a Rebbe. And then he added some cryptic words, some riddle, some hint. He said, if you're not going to be a Rebbe, you'll get Pishnayim Beruch. The loch is that a firstborn gets Pishnayim, gets double, or you divide, a man passes away. And he leaves five children, five sons, yeah? You divide the estate into six parts, not into five parts. And the Bechar gets two parts. Pishnayim Bechar Lashim So the Samach told the Ravash, if you're not going to take Rabbis for now, 
you'll get your pishnayim. You get your double. But you're going to have to wait four generations. He quoted a pasuk in Pashas Lech Lecha, V'day Revi Yeshuvu Four generations, it will come back to you. So what happened was, Tzamech passes away. The Lubavitch was divided up into four, but those generations only lasted two days. One of them was four Rebis, but three of them were brothers. Only two generations. And the only thing that was left was Lubavitch. There was the Rebbe Marash, there was the Rebbe Rashab, and there was the Friedrich Rebbe. The, the grandchildren of the Ravash knew this. Rebbe Levik, the Rebbe's father and his grandfather, knew this Messiah was passed along in their family from generation to generation, that in four generations it'll come back to them and they're going to get double. The day of you in the fourth generation, it'll come back to you. So the Shmuah is, there's a lot of things that people say that are hard to prove and ascertain. And then, and then there's some people think that people say that are a little bit uncomfortable. Rebbe Levik felt it should be a Rebbe. Why? He was the fourth generation. It's a Machsadik. Rebbarach Shalom, Levi Yitzchak, Rebbarach Shneir, and then Rebbe when, when that didn't happen, the Levi did not become a Rebbe because the Chassidim didn't follow him. They followed the Friedrich Rebbe. And the Rebbe became a Chassid, some Friedrich Rebbe. So the Rebbe said he made a mistake. That when the Tzemach Tzedek said four generations, he didn't mean four generations from the Tzemach Tzedek, he meant four generations from the Ravash. Rebbe Yitzchak, Baruch Shneir, Rebbe Yitzchak, and then the Rebbe. And the Levi, this is a fact, always talked about his son as the next Rebbe. And Chassidim wanted to lynch him. Because every Chassid believes that the Rebbe is Mashiach. A Rebbe lives forever. And Rebbe Levik would say, Pemolehi. Ich bin am Bechutna von Lubavitcher Rebbe. I'm the Bechutna of the Rebbe. Und mein Sohn wird sein, dem Kummerdeke Rebbe. My son is the next Rebbe. And it was bad. Rebbe Levik was not afraid of anybody. And he said exactly what he thought. And many Anash, many Anash had that experience where they would meet him and he would tell them straight, Ich bin der Bechutna. And my, my son is next. Go ahead. I don't know if very opposed is the right word. There were complications in the Shidduch. I'm going to maybe get to it a little bit. Nobody knows for sure, or nobody wants to say for sure. I've heard some very interesting things, some of which I'm comfortable repeating and some of which I'm not comfortable repeating. Um, but yeah, there was something. It wasn't Pashat. The rumor is, this apparently is the truth, is that the Levik knew that they would not have children. But there's more pratim, there's more pratim, there's more details, which are a little bit harder to understand, which I'm not going to repeat. I'm just not repeating it. I've heard more rumors than I'm prepared to share. So uh, that's, the, that's the beginning of the story. In the family of the Rebbe's father, there was this knowledge that the Rebbe is going to come from them after four generations. Now, fast forward. The Rebbe was born, Yudal of Nizan Tafresh Tamach Beis, right? Our Rebbe was born the 11th day of this year, 1902. This was the golden age of Lubavitch. Why? The other Hasidists that began to wane. Kapas was not what it was. Liadi was still very strong. Nezhen was already over. And Lubavitch had this huge resurgence. And how many Lubavitcher boys carried the name Yisrael Nech? There's Zaydis for Nezhen Hasidim. How many Lubavitcher boys carried the name Chaim Shnei Zalm? And there's Zaydis for Liadi Hasidim. How many Lubavitcher boys carried the name Yehuda Leib? There's Zaydis for Kapas Hasidim. In other words, when the Rebbe Rashab made Tem Chetmimim, everything went down into the same drain. All the other Chabadnikis, there was Take division with politic of an idiots they weren't. They sent their children to learn on Lubavitch. And Tem Chetmimim brought 
the Tzemach Tzedek's Lubavitch back together. Whatever was left of it. There was a lot of, a lot of Tzadus and a lot of Halamas Vestainim. But nevertheless, Tem Chetmimim brought it back together. Brought back the Chavila, the, the Tzroim, the Pekel, the package of Lubavitch back together. The Rebbe was born Tafresh Amar Beis. If the Rebbe had come to Tem Chetmimim as a 12-year-old, he would have been ahead of anybody else. As a 13-year-old. The Rebbe was never in Lubavitch. He never stepped foot in the city of Lubavitch. I heard this from my big groaner, myself. I think I have a tape of it. That when the Rebbe became Rebbe, <laughs> the Rebbe asked they should make him a stationary. The Rebbe used to use the stationary of the different moistus, Machen, Americas, and Kos. Used the station the feeding Rebbe gave. But the, the morning after, Yud Shvat was Wednesday night. Thursday morning, the Rebbe comes into the 770 and with a smile, is new. Blank, if they make a new stationery. So they told the Rebbe, what do you want of the stationery? The Rebbe says, you'll prepare it and I'll fix it. So what did they do? They took the Friedrich Rebbe stationery and they changed the name. Grand Rabbi, ain't clinic But by the time the Rebbe was done with it, there was nothing left of the original. <laughs> and one of the things was, the Rebbe said, you can't put the word Lubavitch on it. And if you imagine a Lubavitch Rebbe doesn't put in the stationery the word Lubavitch, and the Maskirim were really disturbed. So in the beginning, the Pshara was, it didn't say, Mi Lubavitch, it said Lubavitch. Not from Lubavitch, but the word Lubavitch was left on the stationery. The Rebbe station doesn't even say Rebbe, it just says his name. So this is his name. Then the Rebbe made them do all the work, and then he undid everything that they did. The Rebbe's name, and the phone number, and the address of 770, the Rebbe wanted to take out the word Lubavitch. He said, I heard this from going to myself, I heard Lubavitch. So he said, but how could you have a Lubavitcher Rebbe? It was not a Lubavitcher. <laughs> so they put the word Lubavitch back, they just took out the bim. It was not me Lubavitch, I says. And the question becomes, why didn't the Rebbe go to Lubavitch? It doesn't make any sense. He was 18 years old when the Rebbe Rashad passed away. 18. The Rebbe's father said about the Rebbe to Rebbe Tzachana, who repeated it. Tzuba mitzvah is a given a goan oilom. The Rebbe at bar mitzvah was a goan oilom. So at 18 years old, the Rebbe had a lot to take from the Rebbe Rashab, had a lot to get from Lubavitch. And he never was in Lubavitch. So there's a sefer called Yimei, Yimei Melech. Yimei Melech is a book of stories that could have happened. That's the way it's labeled nowadays. It's not the book that happened, but could have happened. There are many, many stories of the Rebbe. Every single story of Yimei Melech has a source. The problem is how reliable the sources are. It came out around 30 years ago. It came out before, I think even before, before you... Um, I read it cover to cover, I ate it up. It's an amoyed in the Kesefer. So there's a story in the Sefer Yimei Melech that the, somebody asked the Rebbe's mother. All three boys were geniuses, all three of them. Mendel Battle Label, Mebel, Membez Lamed. Mebel means furniture, Shayna Mebel. Mendel Battle Label, they're all geniuses. None of them saw the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe was the oldest. So they said the Rebbe Tanchane. They're such gifted children, you don't send them to Lubavitch. So the Rebbe Zanchana said, He's tearing to go, he's desperate to go, they're not letting him. But who's they? Who's not letting the Rebbe go to Lubavitch? Malach Machol, Malach Gavriel, the Samach Mem. Who's stopping? What? The Kaiser, the King, the Tsar, Nikolai. Who's stopping the Rebbe from going to Lubavitch? There's only one of two possibilities the Rebbe Rashab himself or the Rebbe's father. The Rebbe's father was Chosid numero uno of the Rebbe Rashab. The Dveikas, the Iskashas, the Nebelevik, and the Rebbe Rashab was, is famous. The Rebbe spoke about it. 
So why would the Rebbe not be allowed to go to Lubavitch? Why? Now, nobody knows the answer to that question. But there is a precedent for this. The Alta Rebbe was 15 when the Baal Shem passed away. His father was a chassid, his mother was a chassid, his grandfather was a chassid, his uncle was a chassid, his aunt was a chassid, his teachers were a chassidim. And they were all sworn to secrecy. Not only were they not allowed to talk about the Baal Shem Tev, they were not allowed to say the word Baal Shem in the Alter Rebbe's presence. Alter Rebbe never heard the name Baal Shem Tev. Never. He was 15. Shadda's Talkas was a couple months before his chasana. The Alter Rebbe never heard the name of Baal Shem Tev. As the three-year-old, the Bashanta gave him a haircut, and they drained him a cup until they told him it is Azade. But the Alter Rebbe was prevented from being the Balshemtiv. And the Fidik Rebbe tells the story in his Rishimis that the Balshemtiv called in the Mizitcha Magid. And he said to the Mizitcha Magid, You should know that there's a Neshama Khadash on this world, there's a new soul on this world. And he told him the whole story about how this Neshama Khadash, Alter Rebbe was called the Neshama Khadash, came down into this world, the Gansarichas, and he said to him the following. The Balshemtiv said to the Mizitcha Magid, quote, I had Mesiras Nefesh that he shouldn't know me. Er is diner. He's yours. The Alchantel is to the Magid about the Alter Rebbe. You can't go look for him. He has to come on his own. And the Alter Rebbe came. The Alter Rebbe left. And he forgot Ashmate. He went back for Ashmate. So he had to come back into the base message a second time. And then he decided to stay. So this is the Hasbara that people, nobody wants to say it official because no one knows for sure, but the fact that the Rebbe did not meet the Rebbe Rashab is really odd. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The Rebbe was prevented from saying the Rebbe Rashab. There was a chassid who lived here in America who was a very big chassid, a very great chassid. His name was Rebbe Shmuel Levitin. He was known to as Rebbe Shmuel. He was a very big chassid. Rebbe Shmuel Levitin once walked, he, he was, he as Hasidim go, he was the closest thing to the Rebbe. The Rebbe chatted with him. The Rebbe didn't chat with anybody. The Rebbe didn't schmooze with anybody. Friedrich Rebbe used to schmooze with people. The Rebbe didn't really sit around and schmooze. I mean, maybe they say Chadakov, Yamagardetsky. The Rebbe was not a, a kind of guy, a kind of Rebbe, who engaged with his Hasidim on a personal level. Rebbe Shmuel was to a very great extent the exception. Rebbe Shmuel walked out of the Rebbe's room shaking, shaking. They saw he was very upset. And they said to Rabbi Shmuel, Vasigishen, what did the Rebbe say? That's so upsetting. He says, the Rebbe just told me that he's happy he never saw the Rashad. Rabbi Shmuel was in Lubavitch. The Rebbe, the Rebbe once told somebody, Rabbi Shmuel was in Lubavitch listening to the Rebbe Rashad say, Chesidus, before I was born, the Rebbe once said. She was an old Chassid. And Rabbi Shmuel was in Lubavitch. And Rabbi Shmuel couldn't believe that the Rebbe would make such a statement. That he's happy he didn't meet the Rebbe Rashad. And he explained why. If I had met that Rebbe Rashad, it would have disturbed my bond, my connection to the Friedrich Rebbe, to the Rebbe the Shvet, to the Rebbe's Rebbe. So this is history. These are facts, right? The explanation of the facts are, as they say in the real world, neither here nor there. But the fact of the matter is, the Rebbe was never in the bunch. The Rebbe Rashab passed away. The Friedrich Rebbe became a Rebbe. It's not a secret that the Rebbe Levik was not exactly the Friedrich Rebbe's chosid. He, he recognized that the Friedrich Rebbe was the Rebbe, and he worked with him, and the only other from the Nefesh. Um, they were cousins, and they were mukhutanim, but most people will tell you that the Rebbe's father and the Friedrich Rebbe was not a chassid Rebbe relationship. But the Rebbe went to Rastov. He did go to the Friedrich Rebbe. Now, 
It's very, very difficult to know why he went. Did he go first for a shidduch and then meet chesidus, or did he go first for chesidus and then earn a shidduch? I would like to believe, and there's no way to prove this for sure, that the Rebbe wanted a staff because he wanted a Rebbe. The Rebbe, the Rebbe, our Rebbe, the Rebbe was a giant of giants, and the Rebbe was 19 and a half. When he met the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe was 20 and a half. He was 20 years old, 20 and a half. He came for Sukkot Tafresh Pegimel the first time to the Rebbe Rayatz. He spent Sukkot, and the Rebbe Rayatz Friedrich was very makad of him. He put him behind. He stood behind the Friedrich Rebbe by Fabreng Nish. Friedrich was makad of him. And during that year, he met the Rebbe Tzachayim Mushka, and they courted. The Rebbe was 20, 20 and a half, and then twenty-one. So the Rebbe was twenty-one and a half, and then twenty-two, and they met. They were young. The wedding wouldn't happen for another six years. But initially they met in 1923, the Rebbe and the Rebbe met. And we know this from letters, which are now in print. And the Friedrich Rebbe writes to his wife, to his daughter, to the Rebbe Zechariah Mushka. And the letter written from the summertime, from Tammuz, he says, we, we spent a week together, he writes. The Friedrich Rebbe writes in the letter, this week I diligently studied the Torah of Mendel. Torah of Mendel. And he writes, I think I understand them a little. Friedrich Rebbe writes, I think I understand them a little. We spent the whole week together, the three of them, that means the Friedrich Rebbe and the Rebbe and the Rashag, and every day they walked for a few hours and they talked. The Friedrich Rebbe writes to his daughter, The way our home operates, the way our house is, he never saw such a house. The Friedrich Rebbe, if Rebbe Tzalchana would have seen that letter, she probably would have taken issue. But that's what he writes. The way our house operates, I'm assuming it means how peaceful and loving and open it was. He's never seen such a home. And he writes, his feelings are completely different than they were six months ago. So this tells us that six months before he had visited another time, and uh, that it was uncomfortable. We know from sources, and again, I don't know reliable, but better love it brings it down, that the Rebbe was in Rastov a second time in the winter. He came for Sukkis, came again in the winter, and by Hashkocha Pratis, and this is more than Hashkocha Pratis, this is Hashkocha Prati, 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 is the two Shabbosas the Rebbe was in Rastov that winter, the Fiyadik Rebbe said to my Morim, that our word for word, word for word, the Maimed Bossi Lagani from Tavshin Yud, word for word, for word, the two Shabbosas, the second time the Rebbe met the Fiyadik Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Fiyadik Rebbe said to my Morim, Pashas Boy, Pashas Beshalach, the first Shabbos said, the ten parakim, which by us divided into two maimorim. The second chapter, he said the second ten parakim, which is again by us divided up into two maimorim. And it's word for word, maimorim, the 27 years later, the Rebbe Rayats would give out for Yeh Mistalkuse. And it's, it's, it's compelling, it's, it's almost disturbing how, how precise this is. So the Shidduch was introduced early. And a lot of people came with the Shidduch. There's an old English expression, success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. The Rebbe's Shidduch apparently was a success because there are a million people that credit for the Shidduch. One of the people deserved some of the credit was Rebbe Lechaim Alto, he was a big chassid. He was a Nikolayev. Our Rebbe was born in Nikolayev. Our Rebbe's grandfather, Rebbe Tzirchane, was a, the daughter of the Nikolayev. Rebbe Levick spent seven years after his chassid, or more, ten years after Nikolayev. The Rebbe spent his seven formative years, seven early years of the Rebbe's life. The Rebbe lived in Nikolayev. Rebbe Chaim knew him from then, Rebbe Chaim knew him from later, and he came to the Friedrich Rebbe with the idea. Apparently, he introduced the Rebbe to the Friedrich Rebbe. And then the trouble started. I don't know what the trouble is. Again, the Shmuah is that the Rebbe's father was an issue, there won't be any children. 
Now there's all kinds of stories about what happened consequent to that, subsequent to that. One of them is that uh, the Rebbe said to his own father, the Rebbe said to his father, Oh, but the Rebbe veist asoichet. You're saying that this is not a good shidduch, it won't be children. The Rebbe knows what you know. If you know it, the Fidik Rebbe for sure knows it. And the Fidik Rebbe nevertheless wants the shidduch. So the Rebbe wants the shidduch, it's a good thing. The Rebbe was partially arguing with his father. The, the real truth is, and I think this has been confirmed, is that the Rebbe's shatchen was the Rebbe Rashab. Not the Fidik Rebbe. The Rebbe Rashab had said to the Fidik Rebbe, when the, obviously, Bechayim Chiyosab al Wegen der Mittelste darf man trachten wegen einer von Leben gesehen. The Fidik Rebbe had three daughters. The oldest daughter married the Rashab, Gerari. And the Rebbe Rashab said to the Fidik Rebbe, the middle daughter you should think about one of Levik's sons. Understand, the Rebbe, Levik had three sons. The Rebbe was the oldest, and he was a year younger than the Rebbe Zechayim Mushka. So exactly who was going to marry the Rebbe Zechayim Mushka? You understand? The Rebbe was a year younger than her. So the Rebbe Rashab was involved in making the Rebbe Shidduch. It's also known, I think this is also considered a fact, that after Sheva Brachas, in Tafresh Mitas, when the Rebbe finally got married, the Rebbe Rayat sent a telegram asking a chosid to go to Rastov, go to his father's scene in Rastov, and to say, Dain rot what you wanted we carried through. The Rebbe Rashab was the one who originally proposed the Shidduch between Rebbe Tachayim Mushka. He called her the middle Tachter, the middle daughter, and the Rebbe, the living son, the Rebbe. The Rebbe Zogiz is an hour Rebbe. So again, all the Pratim are hard to know, but it took five years for them to get married. It took a very long time for them to get married. And there's a couple of very interesting uh, episodes that happened intermittently during that time that are printed, that are known. If they were known, I wouldn't know them. And even though I make up stories all the time, of course, but I try to have a source for stories that I make up. <laughs> this is printed in Nasiha. The Rebbe was standing next to his brother Label behind the Friedrich Rebbe. The two of them were standing behind the Friedrich Rebbe together. The Rebbe Chaim Altos was at the Fabrengen. Chaim Altos was considered a big chosid. He was very choshev a chosid. So Rebbe Chaim leans forward and he says to the Friedrich Rebbe, pointing at the Rebbe, a chosin. Take him as a chosin for your daughter. So the Friedrich Rebbe put out his hands like this here and he says, Mi yitain. I wish. Mi yitain. Halavai. The Rebbe put out his hands. The Friedrich Rebbe wanted the Shidduch. And the shidduch was slow in coming. It was a complicated. The shidduch was complicated. Yeah, apparently. It's very difficult to answer that question. This I will tell you. That the night that the Friedrich Rebbe was arrested. So the, the way the story is is known is that the Rebbe was walking towards the house. It was three o'clock in the morning. The Rebbe Zechariah Mushka opened up the window, the Rebbe's kala opened up the window, and he shouted, she shouted, Shneir son mirhab guest. Shneir son we have guests. So the Rebbe turned around, and he ran to the different chassidim who had the documents had to be destroyed, Chaim Lieberman and Chonyi Marozov, to destroy the, the incriminating evidence. But I believe that the beginning of the story was that they were taking a walk. And they saw all the lights were on in the house, and the Rebbe said, this is not... So she said, wait, I'll go in myself. And the Rebbe, Zalman once got by Fabrengen, Yibistamus, and he was shikir, he said, if not for the Rebbe, there would not have been Yibistamus, our Rebbe. And the Rebbe turned to him, and he said to him, the time to reveal that has not yet come, and there's nobody to tell the story, there's a story that we don't know. 
how the Rebbe saved the Friedrich Rebbe's life. But that night, the Rebbe ran away. He didn't come into the house. And he did what he had to do. He, got, he went to the people who had the documents. Later that night, they were both arrested. But they managed to destroy all the incriminating evidence intermittently because the Rebbe came and warned them that they had been by the Friedrich Rebbe to arrest him. Anyway, the Friedrich Rebbe leaves Russia after going to jail and coming out of jail. We all know that story. And when the Friedrich Rebbe left Russia, so did the Rebbe. And there's a story connected to that as well. That when the Rebbe wanted to leave Russia, the Friedrich Rebbe was leaving Russia. So Kaidim called, he was not thrilled to leave Russia. The Rebbe was not, the Friedrich Rebbe was not thrilled to leave The Friedrich Rebbe wasn't happy with leaving Russia. He left Russia because he had no choice. He always felt that his home was Russia and his Hasidim were the Russians, not the Polish and not the Americans. But the Ebishtha let him, but he wasn't happy to go. And he made all kinds of conditions. Amongst the conditions were that he's taking along all of his svarim, all of his library, which was a whole politics, but they agreed. And the other condition was that he could take his entire family, and they agreed to that too. So he made a list of his family members, his wife, his mother, his wife, his daughters, his grandson, his grandson, his, his son, son-in-law, his grandson, and his son-in-law-to-be. So the Russian government told him, the Friedrich Rebbe, an Edom Kemeshaf and Andre. A son-in-law-to-be is okay. Let him stay in Russia. You'll break the shidduch and marry somebody else. So the end of the story goes, the Friedrich Rebbe said to the Russians, I'm not gonna, such a son-in-law, I'm not getting any place. Yeah. So we don't know for sure whether this story ended with the Russian government giving the Rebbe permission to leave on the Friedrich Rebbe's passport or not. I suspect that they didn't. The government said, not letting go. Our Rebbe, was a Hebreman first class. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you how big a Hebreman the Rebbe is. And he understood the Soviets well. What the Rebbe used to speak about, if you want to get something done with the Russians, do it quietly. Here in America, he would scream about that. The Rebbe knew what he was talking about. The bottom line is, the Friedrich Rebbe left Russia right after Sukkot. So did the Rebbe. And there's a story. The Rebbe got himself out of Russia. Again, I don't know if he left the Friedrich Rebbe's passport or not. But almost at the same time, the Friedrich Rebbe left Russia. So did the Rebbe. The difference was this. The Friedrich Rebbe was living in Leningrad. I don't know if you know the map, but Leningrad is up here to the top. I was in Leningrad more than 30 years ago. If you go to certain parts of Leningrad, you, you, there's an ocean. And you can literally see Finland. You can see it with your eyes. You could see another country. That's how small the, 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 uh, the estuary is, the enclave, the little piece of bay, of ocean that separates Leningrad from, from Finland. So the Rebbe left from Leningrad, he took a train. He went straight, he went, he went into Finland, I'm assuming, and then he went east-west from there. The Rebbe went home for Yom Tif. The Rebbe's parents lived in Yekaterinislav, the Rebbe Petrovsk. You know what that is? That's a thousand miles south or more. It's in the Ukraine, on the river Dnepr. It's very far. So the Rebbe left, the Friedrich Rebbe left from the very top of Russia. The Rebbe left from the bottom of Russia. He stayed that Tishrei with his parents, and it was a very hard to get Tishrei. The Rebbe's father and the Rebbe and his mother knew that this was a serious goodbye. And of course, as it would prove to be, he would never see his father again. Of course, his mother, he would see some 20 years later, but his father was never Zeichet to see again. And they both understood, they both understood that there was a realistic possibility. This was a, a goodbye for good. And they were, these are two people, these are Gedoyim. You know? Big people, when they love, they love big. If you read the Rebbe's father's letters, Ablevik, he, he writes like his lo- letters are so full of love. I mean, your grandmother doesn't write such loving letters. <laughs> Mamish, the Rebbe's father, his letters are oozing. The love that he feels to the Rebbe and to the Rebbe to Chaimushka is, 
it's, it's pouring out of every word. You could feel how much he loved them. And he longed for them. So that Tishrei was a very important Tishrei. Very emotional. And the Rebbe spent it with his father. That Simchas that they danced non-stop. They danced non-stop. And the next morning the Rebbe left. When the Rebbe left, his parents got on the train. And they accompanied him. The Rebbe went a few stops. And he said his goodbyes. And he got off. The Rebbe Tanchana traveled with the Rebbe till the Finnish border, all the way from the, till the top of Russia. She went all the way as far as she could go, and then she went back. Parenthetically, I forgot a story which I think could tie in a little bit to this mindset. Um, there are a lot of stories about the Rebbe. You don't need me to tell you there are a lot of stories about the Rebbe. And uh, like they say about the Balshendiv, if you believe them all, you're a fool. If you don't believe they could have happened, you're a heretic. That certainly applies to the Rebbe. But some stories are true. How come we know they're true? Because they were told by the Rebbe's own mother. The Rebbe Sinchana lived in New York until 1964. She talked about the Rebbe. There was a, a Jewish writer, a Yiddish writer, who lived in New York. He came from the Babachek Sidonim. He didn't have a beard. But he was a bigger chosset than a lot of people with grace bed. His name was Nissen Gordon. He was the oldest of the Gordon brothers. And his pen name was Nun Ben Yechanan. Nissen Ben Yechanan Gordon. Nun Ben Yechanan. Nissen Gordon did an 11-part series on the Zibit al Rebbe, they printed in the old uh, Yiddish Ahim. And if anybody wants, send me an email. I think I have them on my computer. I'll send you a PDF from the Gansa Maise. It's Yiddish? It's Yiddish. It was never translated into English as far as I know. The Zibit al Rebbe Shlito. And these articles came out when the Rebbe's mother was still alive, in the late 50s, early 60s. He interviewed the Rebbe's mother, and the stories in those articles are very true. And it's really the best source of good material of the Rebbe's early life, of which we know very little, is what she told Nissen Gordon. I understand that the Rebbe wasn't so thrilled with it, but the Rebbe let it through. One of the stories is that the Rebbe's bar mitzvah was from a Thursday evening till Shabbos. So there's two parts, and I hope I'm repeating it correctly. I mean, I read this story over 30, before I got married, okay? I'm married 31 years, so <laughs> I have the articles, but I never looked at them again. I took the Yiddish Heim, I copied out those 11 articles, and I made them into one PDF. I had them someplace on my computer. If you'll send me an email, I can find them. I'll be happy to, it's my pleasure to share. I have them in one folder. We'll just print them out, yeah? But one of the stories was that the Rebbe's Bar Mitzvah was Thursday night. So the men were in one room, the women were in another. Remember, they made the Bar in their apartment. They had already moved to Yekaterinoslav, but they had a very, very big apartment. They had a gigantic apartment. After the Soviets took over, they took the apartment and split it in half, and the apartment became very small. But they took the apartment in Yekaterinoslav, they took a gigantic apartment. So there was enough room for everybody, they had hundreds of guests. The men were in one part of the house, and the women were in another part of the house. The Rebbe said his toilet, his drosha, whatever it was, a maimetzah, and the nigan was. When the Rebbe finished, this was Thursday evening, the Rebbe started to cry. And he cried so heavily, he was a 13-year-old, that the entire room cried with him. The Rebbe Zahana said she was in the other room and she was trying to figure out what's going on. Now there's a shmuel, and the Rebbe Zahana writes. The Rebbe's father kept on asking the Rebbe for something. Beginning from that Thursday. And the Rebbe wouldn't agree. Now the Rebbe's mother could have known what that was. But the way Nidman Yechelen tells the story... We don't know what the discussion was. But the Rebbe's father wanted something from the Rebbe, and the Rebbe wasn't, wasn't agreeing, was not acquiescing, was not agreeing. Till Matzah Shabbos, from Thursday night to Matzah Shabbos, that's two days. 
Matzah Shabbos, the Rebbe finally agreed to what it was that his father was asking him to do. And then that Matzah Shabbos was so freilich, you have no idea. So Nunban, you can speculate, who knows? Maybe the discussion then was already about the Rebbe. But the Rebbe's mother probably had some idea what the discussion was. But she doesn't tell him. She just says that the Rebbe Levi wanted something from the Rebbe. And the Rebbe wouldn't agree. They would not agree. And the Rebbe Levi was mafzid. He asked again and again and again over the course of two whole days. Motzah Shabbos, finally the Rebbe agreed. And then there was a moidin de kesimche in the house. Um, again, I don't know. Jeremy Gordon says, Nissen writes, we don't know what it was, but maybe it was that the Rebbe should again, at, at the Bar Mitzvah Yingele, to agree to the union of Nisiyas, to be a Rebbe. So, this is just a story that I'm sharing, because <laughs> you're probably not going to hear it from anybody else. If you send me an email, I'll send you the Yiddish Heim, and if I've told the story incorrectly, you'll come back tomorrow and tell me what I said wrong. Because I saw the story of a third. It's not the kind of story you forget, you know, this is one of those special, special stories. Anyway, the Rebbe's mother accompanied the Rebbe all through Russia. And they traveled overnight. I mean, to travel from Yekaterinoslav to the Finnish border to Leningrad was probably two days, maybe 48 hours on the train. I mean, trains don't move that fast. They move faster than cars, but they don't move that fast, especially then. And the Rebbe got up in the morning, stood up, and put on his film on a Soviet train in 1927. You could get lynched for that. You could get lynched for being a Jew, let alone putting on film. The Rebbe's mother said, I was filled with fear. The, the Rebbe made believe he had no idea where he was. He stood up and he put on film. And the Rebbe's mother said, suddenly Russian Goyim got up from their seats and they made a circle around the Rebbe to block the people shouldn't see. And they stood there for the duration of the Dhamma. The entire time that the Rebbe died, a bunch of Goyim created a mechitza around the Rebbe that nobody should see what the Rebbe was doing until the Rebbe, this is the story, the Rebbe's mother was a witness until the Rebbe finished the davening and he took off his tefillin and he sat down and the guy went and sat down. Anyway, the Rebbe of course crosses the Russian border into Finland and then he makes his way west. I think he went into Finland. What's the name of the capital of Finland? Does anybody remember? Huh? Helsinki. Very good. And then he made his way west. West means towards Riga, Latvia, where the Friedrich Rebbe was. The Rebbe joined the Friedrich Rebbe in Latvia, and they were planning a wedding. The wedding wouldn't take place for a year. The wedding took place for a whole year. Now, there's a lot of reasons why the wedding didn't take place. One of the reasons that we know is that the Rebbe's parents were hoping to come to the wedding, and they kept on delaying it because they were trying to ask for a, a, vis- a visa to leave for a visit to Latvia, and the Russians wouldn't give them that permission. And when it was clear that it wasn't going to happen, they made the wedding, but that took a long time. There's also evidence that there was still trouble. The Rebbe's father and the Friedrich Rebbe were still at odds about certain things when they gave to the Rebbe. And this delayed the chasna. I, I, again, there's things that I've heard that I'm not repeating. That even after the Rebbe had left Russia, there was still some discussion that maybe the shidduch would be broken for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, which we're not going to get into at all. And then the last reason was, there was no money. The Friedrich Rebbe wanted the Rebbe's wedding to be the grandest event in all of Europe. And it was. And he had no money. A Yidin had to sell a big, big cost of the Avram Parish. He was a poor, poor Jew. He was walking on an old train track, an old British train track, someplace in had to sell. 
and he came across a bag of gold coins that was worth then thousands and thousands of dollars. He took the bag, he went straight to the bank, didn't even go home. And he asked how much is each one of these coins worth? They gave him a price. He liquidated all of that gold into cash and he wired the last dime to the Fiyadi Kira, but didn't take himself a penny. And Chassidim told me, you idiot, you're such a poor person, you could have kept 5%. And most people give stock, you give 10%, 20%. He gave the Rebbe 100%. And they told him, huh? Rebbe Avram Parish, Avram Parish, there's probably grand, grandchildren of him in this room. He was a big chassid, and he had a great the wolves from Etisol, his descendants. Rebbe Avram Wolf was his son-in-law. He was a very big mukusha. That was his thing. He was a very hard to get chaz, a big mukusha. And people told him what kind of fool he was. And he says, no, I wish I was a bigger fool. I'd be a bigger chazid. Something to that effect. That money made the Rebbe's chazid. You imagine this chus? A yid could have made himself rich. He sent the money to Fidiki Rebbe and the Fidiki made the chazid that he wanted to make for the Rebbe. But it took more than a year. Now, of course, technically what happened was the Fidiki Rebbe was given immigration rights in, in, Leningra- in, in, in Riga. The, the Latvian government allowed the Fidik to live there. And of course, there's a story, there's a Mishpach of Duba, I'm related to them, that they have in their family a very interesting little detail of the story. There was a Fidik Rebbe came to Latvia, he needed a job. He needed a shul. Rabbi Yitzchak Duba, was a rabbi in a shul in India. He gave the Fidik his rabbonus. He moved to England and it saved his life because the Nazis never occupied England. He was able to survive. And the Fidik Rebbe got the Rabbonus, became a Rav in a shul, a rabbi in a shul in Latvia, which was a modern country, a western country. And the Rebbe was there, along with all, there were six members of the family, six members of the family, the Rebbe's mother, the Rebbe's wife, the Rebbe's daughters, the Rebbe's son, the Rebbe's grandson. And the Latvian government would not allow the Rebbe to stay. They didn't, didn't give him rights to stay. So by order of that year, by May, February or March of, this is now, you're talking now, 1928, the Rebbe was forced to leave Latvia and go to Germany. Why to Germany? Again, this is all the Das Tachten, the Das Eliyad. They went to school. By going to school, he was given a student visa. Only so, the Rebbe was not Right, he wasn't a member of the family. This is the story that I told you before, that the Russians only let six people on the visa. The Rebbe, I am assuming he got out in his own way, but the Latvian government said to the Rebbe, you are not a member of the family, we never gave you the immigration uh, permit, the immigration exception that they gave the Fidik Rebbe. The Bar was a big He was a member of the parliament. He got the Fidik Rebbe out of Russia and he got his government to agree to take the Fidik Rebbe. But not all the Lubavitcher in the world, you understand? So the Rebbe had to move to Berlin. And he lived in Berlin for a year till the Chassanet. I believe that at some point he was joined by his brother, Label also left Russia. And for a short period, they were roommates. In other words, when the Rebbe got married, obviously, Label had to go take a different apartment. But while the Rebbe was still single, I believe his brother Label joined him and they shared an apartment, which L'cha'oyinam means that the brother's label, Rebbe's brother Label was at the Rebbe's wedding. But I'm not 100% sure about this. This I do know, that there was a chassid by the name of Zelik Slonim. Zelik Slonim was a Slonim. He was a cousin of the Rebbe's. He was a middle-level Zanemikum. Zelik Slonim was a very big chassid. I heard from a shliach once, he was the first mother in Shliach. He was a mother in Shliach by the Friedrich Rebbe. Zelik Slonim was an Israeli Jew, Lurdan Lubavitch, who went in and out of countries like you go in and out of classrooms. And he, he met the Rebbe in Berlin. 
And he said to the rabbi, I really want to be a Kassaner, but I can't get a visa. He was an Israeli. Israel was Palestine. It was British. After World War I, it was the British. So the rabbi went with him to the immigration office. He tells the story. The rabbi went with me to help me get papers. I should be able to go to his Kassaner. That's very personal. Zelik Salonim. The Rebbe was in Berlin. He was in Berlin. And he was by the Rebbe's chasenei sent to the Rebbe. A gift. They had a very special relationship. And then when the Rebbe became a Rebbe, he was the Rebbe's achosid without any pshara. Anyway, I told you everything but the story, right? What did I tell you? All the preliminary stuff. So as I always do, seminary Aleph 2, my 2 to 3 o'clock period is going to be the Hemshech of this Maiseh. And I'd be really, really delighted to send all of you all three parts if you're so inclined. I will see you tomorrow.